While I was contemplating about a creative and clever way to bring to a close the current sermon series, that's the one we've been going through the last five weeks, remember? Lessons from the Temple. While I was thinking about, okay, how am I going to bring this all to a close? I heard a great story that really caught my attention. The songwriter of a very popular contemporary band was asked by an interviewer how he writes songs. It was taking place at a concert and a news type person wanted to just grab a quick interview. So the interviewer came up to him in between sets and wanted to know where he got his new and his fresh ideas for songs. And typically, how long does it take them, he and his band, to write a song and so forth? The songwriter's answer went something like this. And this is what really caught my attention. This is what he said. Well, most songs take quite a while, usually around three months from start to finish. And some songs can take well over a year to get all the details worked out. But this next song that we're going to be playing, called Superman, that song came to me in just 45 minutes. No kidding. In only 45 minutes, every detail of that song from start to finish came to me. And then, with a twinkle in his eye, as he hearkened back to that memorable 45-minute period in his life, he went on to say this, Yep, you just know when something's right, don't you? You just know when it's right. Hmm. You know, when I stop for a minute and I think about it, I too can relate to knowing when it's right. And I would argue that those of you listening today, you also have a way of knowing when it's right. When things just kind of fall into place, you feel it in your gut. You can't explain it. You don't have to explain it. You just know when it's right. Sometimes it only takes 45 minutes. I'm sharing with you now from uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Uh, this is the section on the teaching about prayer and the Lord's Prayer. And remember here, we're also, it's kind of uh, continuing on in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. From the evil one. My friends, that's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
So as we wrap up this summer's sermon series on lessons about discipleship, which, by the way, is a common focus for us during the summer months, why on earth would we be looking again at the Sermon on the Mount? Specifically, why would we be looking closer now at the section that contains the Lord's Prayer? Well, first, let me say that I initially thought about starting off today's sermon by doing a Oh, you know, kind of a brief review of some of our learnings over the last five weeks. It seemed to me that a clean and neatly packaged review of five sermons that each emphasized a lesson on how to follow Jesus, that that package would act kind of like a belt to put your tools in. Those of us, like me, who prefer our tools or craft supplies or sewing supplies to be neat and organized and all in one place, we can relate to that sort of thing. After all, I think a quick review of the lessons learned would be helpful. Well, I think it would be helpful certainly for the thinking and the brain part of me. However, this kind of classroom approach of a review, I'm sorry, that was not what I was feeling in my gut this week. Rather, I've experienced lately a renewed desire to be even closer to what God is trying to do with me and what God is trying to do with Yuma First during this still uncertain time in our lives. Yes, and I didn't know it until recently. I've been hoping for another time in my life when I just know it's right. I don't need to explain it. I just know in my gut that it's right. And it was during a recent time of, let me call it prayer and contemplation, that I stumbled on this interview that I just shared with you, the interview with the songwriter, who, at least in my mind, he describes a powerful kind of an epiphany moment in his life. Sometimes people call it an aha moment, a moment that took 45 minutes where the end result was, I think, the end result was unexpected. Indeed. He simply knew without question that what had developed in that 45 minutes, quote, just felt right. And he didn't have to explain it to anyone. Not to anyone else. He didn't have to explain it to himself. As a matter of fact, he couldn't explain it. There's no way he could articulate that. We all know that. We know when it's right. It's not something you have a need to explain. You just know in the middle of your gut. Let me give you a couple of examples. I know when it's right when I get up in the morning and I feel noticeably really, really good. That happens. I know it happens to you. You just get up and you go, whoa, I don't have any pain this morning. I feel good. I don't feel half asleep. Next, I know when it's right when I realize it's been a really, really good day. I know when it's right when I meet someone who's rather unique and special. And you might even add to that someone who's really easy to get along with. I know when it's right when my personal prayer time is especially meaningful, more meaningful than it has been lately. I know when it's right when Christ Jesus feels exceptionally close to me for no real identifiable reason. And I know, as a writer, I'm not a songwriter, 
but I know when it's right, when a complete sermon series will come to me in a matter of minutes. My friends, that has happened. Hasn't happened in a while, but it has happened. So as we kind of step into this event, as we kind of allow ourselves to be a part of a picture on the wall, let's take our rightful place on the grassy knoll by the lakeside. We will see that in the midst of all the heavenly lessons about the interior life that Jesus taught in Matthew, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to look back a chapter, go ahead and look in Matthew chapter 5. For some reason at this point, Jesus feels that it's important to emphasize both the right way and the wrong way to pray. Recently, not all that long ago, in another sermon in this series, we stated that the church leaders of Jesus' day, and as we see now in this case regarding one's method of praying, that they were and are, again, a real handy target for Jesus These church leaders were already known for lofty, wordy, empty prayers in public places just so they could flaunt their piety before the common folk. After all, by far, not only back then, but even today, most would agree that God is not at all interested in any show, any outward show of religion, any empty outward show of religion. God is genuinely interested in in one's heart, one's attitude, one's tendency, what one does out of love for God and love for one another. God's interested in one's heart. We all know that. Well, let me share a couple scholarly comments with you. Uh, The next couple comments are um, not entirely, but some of them are from the Enduring Word commentary. But when you pray, Jesus said, go into your room. This is interesting. Listen to this. Rather, we should meet with God in our room, or the word here actually means a closet. The idea is of a private place where we can impress no one except God. The specific ancient Greek word room was used for a storeroom where treasures were kept. This reminds us that there are treasures waiting for us in our prayer closet. And Jesus certainly did not prohibit public prayer, but our prayers should always be directed toward God and not directed toward man and woman, towards people. Adam Clark, who's another uh, one of my favorite commentators, he has this say to he has this to say about the nature of a person's prayer. The true God isn't impressed by the length or the eloquence of our prayers, but by the heart. Prayer requires more of the heart than of the tongue. The eloquence of prayer consists in the fervency of desire and the simplicity of faith, end quote. Well, many writers over the years would point out here that what we know today as the Lord's Prayer was and still is intended by Jesus to be a model for prayer. I can tell you that I grew up with the same prayer, but we called it the Our Father which is what we see here in Matthew 6, the, the scripture, the, the prayer that we just read. And for me especially, as I got older, this traditional prayer taught me to always remember to pray way beyond myself. In fact, according to David Guzik, this is a prayer focused on community, he writes. 
Jesus said, our father, not my father. The whole prayer is socially oriented. The singular pronoun is absent. A man enters the presence of the father and then prays as one of the great family. Jesus wanted us to pray with the desire that the will of God would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? In heaven there is no disobedience and in heaven there are no obstacles to God's will. On earth there is disobedience and at least there are apparently obstacles to his will being done. The citizens of Jesus' kingdom will always want to see his will done as freely on earth as it is done in heaven. Finally, especially this week, just thinking about the way things have been going lately, I think it's fair to say that many of us, I know because I've talked with you, if not all of us, we're kind of in between times right now. Many of us are experiencing hours and days when things are not falling into place, when things are not falling into place so much so that we know it's right. For example, last week, I heard news one day about the possibility of the church campus opening to learning within the next 12 hours that it would not be possible. And ultimately, on my part especially, it ended up being wishful thinking. Yep, we all continue to wait for the church campus to open. I know that. Indeed, we all keep trying to be patient. I know that. While those of us those of us who are involved in the day-to-day necessary nuts and bolts details of actually going through what it takes to reopen, well, I'll speak for myself. I've often had feelings of helplessness mixed with a lot of disappointment. Indeed, to say the least, For me, this past week's church campus update proved to be quite frustrating, and especially for our leadership. A slight window was just opened. It was just cracked just a bit, so that if a lot of different criteria and a lot of different things were taken care of and fell into place, we would be able to meet in small groups, and that would happen fairly soon. But after we fully realized One, all that we need to accomplish for it to happen. And two, after Debbie Pollack, our lay leader, did the research and shared with us that Yuma has a long ways to go before we come close to the CDC benchmarks, well, the wind dropped out of our sails. And again, I'm the guy with the microphone here, so I'm speaking for myself, not for everyone who was involved in this. The wind just dropped right out of the sail that I had already hoisted up high. Speaking for myself only, I realized that making enough progress for our campus to reopen is not anything I can force fit like a tight pair of old shoes. Listen to that again, friends. I'll just say it again. I realized that making enough progress for our church campus to reopen is not anything any of your leaders of the church can force fit like a tight pair of shrunken old shoes. So where do we go from here? All right, here's the challenge for the week. 
And this challenge is for all of us, okay? Get ready. Make a note of this. Uh, hit stop and replay uh, the this sermon and, and hear this again. Especially if you're with Yuma First. This is the challenge for the week. Here's the question. I want you to ask yourself, and then I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to be able to answer it for me. Here's the question. How can I best use my time during these days that frequently don't seem to have a purpose? And how on earth will I know when it's right? Okay, here we go. To start with, stay positive. Stay hopeful. Choose joy. Be productive. Don't allow yourself to become demoralized. Consciously choose to stay positive and joy-filled. Find and follow through with something positive and productive each day, even if it's small and even if it's only one thing. This is going to take discipline, my friends. Do this every day. Secondly, persevere. Stay the course. Know before you even begin this journey that allowing yourself to be receptive and prepared like rich, fertile soil takes time. After all, remember that some of the best food and drink is aged for several months and sometimes it's aged for several years. Next, nurture the trust we already have going for us at Yuma First, especially the trust that has developed between you and the church leadership. My friends, we have been together a long time and we have gone through a lot. Let's trust each other. Let's trust God and trust each other, being patient with each other and giving each other time to work through this very wisely and carefully. Next, stay excited. Stay excited and hopeful about the new forms of ministry that that will continue both on and off campus. My friends, we're doing conference calls. We're doing Bible study Zooms. We're doing small group Zooming. We're, we're expanding our worship ministries. We're getting ready to do communion Zoom. We've got all these things, and we're going to keep doing them. When we get back on the, on the church campus, yeah, we're going to do things locally, in person, and on campus, but we're also going to keep doing things, uh, you might say, remotely and online because a lot of people, a lot of people, it'll be a lot, you know, it's going to take longer for them to want to come back to the church campus. And most importantly, and this is most important, here we go. Listen, be calm and be observant of what happens all around you. Keep it up. Make it a habit. Persevere, especially this week. Relax. Listen. Be patient. Include people that you trust in conversations and then offer it all back to God in prayer. I want you to begin with the Lord's Prayer and I want you to conclude your time with the Lord's Prayer and then be quiet. That's what I mean. Be quiet and listen, relax, and be patient and be quiet. I keep saying that, my friends, because typically... You know, um, I'm the kind of guy, I go into prayer with an agenda quite often. I go into prayer time with a lot of my mind. And sometimes if my mind's already made up about my prayers, typically, I've already thought through what I think needs to happen during prayer time. 
And I even think out what I'm going to do when it comes to the consequences of my prayer. But listen to this, my friends. I'm getting back to the Lord's Prayer and to this 45-minute thing. But if I'm so certain of the outcome of my prayers, how could I ever clearly hear? How could I hear God? While at the same time, how could I make enough room in my heart for those crucial 45 minutes? How could I make space for God to come into my life and to share with me his plan, not only for me personally, but his exciting plan for Yuma first? Now, speaking of that 45-minute period when lives change, I urge you to keep a notepad and a pen handy in case you need to jot down things. In case you need to jot down the things that come to you. You never know. What comes to you could be a song from start to finish in every detail. Oh, God, bless us this week. Oh, God, join us this week. Oh, God, move us. Bring us into your life this week, all of us. Share with us that 45 minutes when you will reveal not only your vision for each one of us personally, but you, if we listen, will reveal what your plan is for us at Yuma First. It's all these things that we pray together with with grace and peace for all. Amen.